what's going on? It's your boy, Big Wavy Roy Johnson here. Hello everyone, this is the interview queen, Alicia Two. This is the infamous Cameron Solis. This is the professional Nathan Cruz. This is Veggie. This is the Callahan Death Machine in the draw and the face of Impact Wrestling, Sammy Callahan. The one and only shot with Willie Mack. This is Shreddy Breck, aka Mr. Clangin and Bangin. And you're listening to... You are listening to... You are listening to... Broken But Glorious. Broken But Glorious. Broken. Hello and welcome to BBG Wrestling. I'm Chris Lappin. As many of you may know, I can't do any podcasts until the beginning of May due to work commitments. So that left free Friday's interviews. So I thought, rather than waste them, I'll ask some of my friends if they want to release some of their interviews. Um, so I've asked them not to send over their latest episode, but an episode or an interview that best represents the podcast. So you, the listeners, will know what to expect from the podcast and the future and maybe go subscribe to them so first up we've got jonas who's said he'd like to do his interview with the mastermind ollie springs yeah it's a really fun interview so enjoy and in the description there'll be all the links to jonas podcast this is jonas from the wrestling with jonas podcast and you're listening to broken but glorious wrestling podcast the following podcast is brought to you by the jonas podcasting network Found exclusively at WrestlingWithJohnners.com Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Wrestling With Johnners. I think we're up to episode 229 now. Can you believe it? Uh, but uh, I've got a, a brilliant guest today. Um, become good friends with this guy over the last few months. Uh, met him at a show last week. The mastermind, Ollie Spring. How you doing, Ollie? And thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, man. It's, uh, yeah, it's good to be here. It's been a while since I've, uh, I've done podcasts. So uh, it's, yeah, it's cool to be doing, uh, doing one again. Oh, it's great to have you on uh, Wrestling With Jonas Live. And if you want to get in touch with Ollie, if you want to get in touch with the show, if you want to send any questions for The Mastermind, you can do. Just send your questions through on your chosen device and we'll do our very best to answer every single question live on air. But uh, Ollie, I've got, I've got to start asking you about, um, about progress. Um, the number one promotion in the UK. Um, some might argue that, but uh, I think in general it's, it's considered the number one promotion in the UK. Um, featured on the WWE Network, of course. Uh, when did you first get that call to be part of the Progress team? Because it, it, it's, I mean, if I was asked to go and start presenting on Progress, I, I'd probably fall over. But it must have been a, a bit of a, a bucket list for yourself. How did you feel to finally get that call, get that email and say, we want you on Progress? It was it was surreal to be honest. Um, it was I mean mid, middle of middle of lockdown. I want to say it was kind of round kind of January February time. Um, no no tell a light would have been. Well there was there was kind of rumours that they needed a a, a, a new commentator um, kind of around Christmas time and I was I was you know people were in my ear saying Ollie we're trying to we're trying to get you in but we we're not sure we're not sure um, and it, essentially yeah the, the first kind of few months nothing really came of it. And then I had a phone call um, probably about March, April time. Uh, so almost a year ago, actually, almost a year ago. 
um and yeah i i it's it was just surreal and to be fair i almost did fall over <laughs> i i didn't quite believe what was happening and um up, up until that point you know it was hustle and, and crowley that were on the comms yeah. so so tough for those guys um they put so much into the work they do both in and out the ring like with the promos and i'm almost certain it's the the quality of their their, their kind of promos and their ability to look in the camera and you know get their feelings and emotions across um they put so much hard work in it was so cool to see them you know getting the recognition um but then yeah getting the call it was just it was it was so surreal um i, I almost i almost balled it up on the call um I, outside of outside of um of wrestling i was having a few issues with uh with moving house and i was expecting a phone call from a state agent to basically apologize for screwing me over it just so happened that the name of the estate agent was the same as the guy from Progress who I was meant to expect a call from at some point in this week or next week, whereas I was expecting a call from my estate agent on that day. And I, I, I got this call and it was like, hi, this is, uh, this, is this guy. And I, was, um, I thought it was the estate agent. So I was about to be, I, I was kind of cold. I was kind of a bit abrupt and wasn't really in a chatty mood because they really did messes around at the time. Um, and it took a couple of minutes for the penny to drop and realize it wasn't the estate agent and it was the guy from Progress that I was talking to. So yeah, I said, how are you? I was like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine, fine, yeah, you, how are you? Like, I, was, I wasn't really myself, because <laughs> I, was I was a bit annoyed. Um, and he was like, yeah, we're all good. We're just trying to see how we can slot you in and fit you into the shows. And I was like, oh, is that guy? The penny and then, dropped. Like, my time, like, yeah, all of a sudden, flicked the switch. I was like, right, I need to be, I need to be nice and friendly and approachable. and. Um, it started off that I was it was going to be a trial, and then this was the phone call that I got telling me I was going to be on the the, the full like for the full set of tapings that they were doing, and yeah, I put the phone down and just bounced around the living room. I was yeah, I was a bundle of energy. I was it was every, everything you'd expect: nervous, excited, and um, yeah. Even now, I it still it still doesn't quite seem real. The fact that yeah, you can list off all the things that, that you know it's on the on the WWE network, it's streamed you know Peacock across the US and you know progress on demand, all these things, and it's yeah, it's it's it's, it's bizarre. It really it kind of feels surreal. It doesn't quite feel that like it's me in a way. But, but I mean, look, so I never wish to go back to the no fan shows, and hopefully, you know, we don't kind of uh, go backwards with the pandemic. Uh, like I say, the, the British wrestling has been back firmly since about July, August last year. Um, but it seemed like those those tapings at the Peckham Theatre. I mean, you were there from Chapter One Hundred and Twelve, weren't you? But they About seemed that, like yeah. a, a lot of fun, a real kind of family vibe going in there. And even without fans, you guys gave it everything you possibly could. But uh, like I say, tell, tell us about those tapings and uh, kind of the, the atmosphere and the fun that you were having. So yeah, I mean, it's as like essentially, you know, you're you're filming for progress. It's going out where it, everywhere it's going. You kind of have to give it one hundred and ten percent. It it was bizarre though because it it didn't feel like we were filming a wrestling. It, it felt like we were filming a TV show, not a wrestling really? show. So it was, you know, it was the empty theater. It was the, you know, just before we go, it's like quiet in the back and we're rolling. And it's like, you don't really get that in a live show. And then everyone that's kind of talking and chatting around the ringside then has to be quiet. And, you know, we record the show and, you know, me and me and Hustle would just be sitting there chilling, having a sip, having a little chat. And are oh, we doing another show? Right, here we go, headsets on. And energy, like it, it's, it was so hard to not have that crowd to feed off. Because you haven't got the, I think you haven't got the fans to feed off of, have you? And it's, it's, it does make such a big difference. In a way, I'm kind of lucky because I also do some, some stuff and like I get essentially working from home. Um, I do a lot of stuff in post for, for quite a few companies as well. So I'm kind of used to 
you know, to, to not necessarily having anyone around me to feed off of. But even then, you know, you've got a, a live crowd on rec- on you know, on the taping to to feed off of. So it was it was a kind of a, a weird hybrid. I mean, you know, working from home, doing the stuff I do in post. Essentially, I'm just sat on my sofa in my pajamas, um, and that's easy enough to kind of flick the switch on and off and kind of pour some energy into it. So I was kind of lucky that I had enough experience, but it, it really was bizarre. But yeah, you talk about the family the family atmosphere we 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 had there and. It really was like it was, you know, four days where you're just in in a literal bubble of these people, and you know, you only really see the same 10, 20, 30 people for that entire weekend. And um, going in, it was really bizarre because there was a lot of people that I've I've watched and you know maybe commentated for, but not really had a chance to hang out with as much. Um, and then by the end of that four days, you know, I've got my little, you know, I've I've made so many friends. And um, while it was bizarre, and obviously, like, we'd never want to go back to to having to do that, obviously for for the obvious reasons. Um, I'll always be grateful for having that chance to kind of meet the people I met and, and really kind of build those friendships. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I noticed in one of your Instagram posts that you, you called the Peckham Theatre, you called them No Fans Tapings, you know, your happy place. So you must have been kind of like looking forward to going going to work at the well, Peckham Theatre, well, doing your four days of tapings, working with Hustle, meeting, meeting the crew and the guys there. This this is it, because essentially, you know, I mean, at this point in, in, in history, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to my shoot job every day and coming home every day and then just essentially just waiting for the next shift. You know, my weekends, you couldn't really leave the house. So being able to go and do that and, and kind of get my wrestling fix um, when, let's face it, not a lot of people. Um, yeah, there you go. Not a lot of people were, were able to do what we were doing. Um, it, yeah, it, it did. It did become like a place that I was like, you know, while it was bizarre and it was it was a long weekend um you know a lot of a lot of takeaways a lot of uber eats a lot of deliveries yeah. and stuff like that um and it, you know by the end of the four days you were both kind of happy to go home and like get a decent night's sleep and also you got home and then it kind of sucked because you know i wasn't waking up and you know saying good morning to crowley and saying good morning to hustle and then going to the going to the theater and saying hi to the crew like it's you know like all my friends were taken away and i was back to you know just being old you know playing old simple audience of you know mastermind um so yeah it, re- it really did become like a little um a little yeah my happy place essentially to, to, uh, to misquote astraven and, and do you have any any uh kind of personal highlights from those no fan shows like i say it seemed like a great atmosphere some amazing action uh getting to call alongside a good friend of yours hustle malone but to, do you have any kind of like personal highlights from uh the, the time back at the peckham theater yeah, I mean, to be, to be fair, the first, like, the first set of tapings, I, I wouldn't say I was happy with how I did. And the way that things fell, we, fi- we filmed five chapters on the, on the first, on the, my first set of tapings. And the first, the, the actual first one that we did didn't air until the weekend after we finished my second tapings. So I didn't have a chance to like review myself and like give myself feedback or get feedback from anywhere else until after my second. So I'm like 10 chapters in at this point. So after filming 10 chapters, I finally get to see my first one and I'm looking back and um, I, I, I don't, well, I mean, to be fair though, you know, first time in an empty theatre, first time for progress, first time on the network, all those things. There was a lot of butterflies, there was a lot of yeah. nerves. Um, so I don't, I don't think I was ever expecting it to go perfectly the first show. So it, was, it took a bit of time for me to kind of settle in. Um, I think in, in a way, the, the highlight is just, it, it was all very much... Because as I say, essentially, because there's there was just match after match after match, and it was all. Um, I don't think there was essentially one. I mean, there was there was there was some great matches, and it, again, I was absolutely like gifted to have that quality to to call. 
Um, I just think that the whole thing kind of just kind of blurs into one big, one big kind of bubble. But being able to do that with Hustle, um, someone that I've, I've kind of known since my literal day one. Um, I think my, my favorite Instagram post I've got is, is the one where it's the, the then and now, how it starts and how it's going. And yeah. the, the literal like hand on heart, the very first photo I ever took in a wrestling ring um was for a promotion that doesn't exist anymore that ran out of milton Keynes, just down the road from me um and there's me and my my first ever commentary partner in the ring and i i didn't really know him at the time as well as i do now obviously but right between us the other side of the ring hustler just kind of spotted that a fight was being taken kind of leans in and gives a little like photo bomb in the background and the fact that he was in the background of my very first kind of in-ring photo the fact the very first time i'd stepped inside a wrestling ring probably on the very first show I ever called, or no, maybe the second show, because we had our t-shirts on. Either way, super early. The fact that he was there in the background, and now me and him are in Theatre Peckham for progress on the WWE Network with the absolute best of the best this country has. It was it was so bizarre. Um, and then yeah, we, full we, we recreated moment, the photo. Yeah. <laughs> so that was nice. Yeah, that was real nice. And, and I know during the pandemic during uh, lockdown 2020 you also did uh, battle of the barns didn't you uh world yes. war wrestling now th that was quite um a, an interesting <laughs> concept i know that world war wrestling and brett they, they, they've done battle of the barns before but um like i say an, a, a similar very unique situation Absolutely. with no fans but um, a different setting, different environment, different. Well, maybe there was some some of the same talent there. I'm not sure. But uh, um, to tell us a little bit about Battle of the Barns. So yeah, Battle of the Barns. There was there was actually that, and there was there was two kind of things we filmed at in the barn with uh, with Brett. We did that, and we did the Murder Barn Massacre for DOA. And I want to say that I think the Murder Barn came first, right? Um, and then I think maybe a month or two later we did Battle at the Barns, but. Brett, I've got so much love for Brett, so yeah. much love. Um, he he looked after us all. That that barn, he spent so long getting it kitted out, and um, it the, looked amazing. The yeah, the, the the murder barn was like it looked like a, a film set from a horror film. Turned up for Battle of the Barns, and I, we, me and me and Nick, uh, I think you had him on last week. I think was it. Yeah, so this time last week you were yeah. chatting to Nick. Yeah, Nick. Um, so me and him, he had he had this almost like a trailer backed up in there, and we had it was pretty much a bunker. And he kitted out this little back of this lorry um, to look like a, an actual army bunker. There was camo everywhere. The table was covered in camo. We're sat in there doing the commentary, and it, it felt like it. Yeah, it, it just it was unreal. It was unreal. The amount of effort he put into that, and then to film it himself and edit it all himself was it was just so much fun. And I think at that point, that was way before we did. Uh, yeah, way before progress was even on the horizon for me. Um, that was the first time I think I'd ever. Um, or the, the first time I'd got kind of seen a wrestling ring since um, since the start of the pandemic. So since like wow. March 2020, which funny enough, the, the the last show I did before that was one for, for Brett for World War Wrestling as well. So it kind of came full circle and it was really nice to kind of get back to it with Brett. Um, and I will never forget the excitement on Alexander Roth. He walked in and I've, I've never seen a man <laughs> so excited just to see a ring and run some ropes, take some bumps um the energy he walked into in that barn um even before we even talked about what was happening and what we were filming his yeah just just seeing people that happy again it just filled me it was just so wholesome um well, it was probably the first time a lot of them had seen the ring in a fair exactly, while as well exactly yeah and yeah the matches the matches were again it was real bizarre because um it was um yeah again no fans and it was just like right okay we're gonna do this match Let, let's let's go and like um having to then get the energy and 
again, the, the bar the, is a big bar. It's a big, like hollow place. Like there wasn't a lot of, um, you know, even, even with the, the, the boys in the back trying to like, maybe kind of, you know, G everybody up. It was, it was hard to get the energy levels up and it was, it was quite cold and it was, you know, quite chilly because it's quite exposed out there. But it was, again, it was so much fun just to be back around something that closely resembled wrestling. It was, yeah, it was, it was an absolute godsend for me at the time. Definitely what I needed. Amazing. Let, let's talk about more modern times then, because obviously you're you're uh, uh, one of the lead commentators uh, behind the desk at Progress, and they're building up to a very very big time in their history. Um, just a, a few weeks away from their tenth anniversary show, Ollie, which is going to be absolutely fantastic. But they've it got a, a, a series of shows. I think chapter 130 on the 20th of March, um, and then they've got two midweek shows. Yeah, culminating on Friday the 25th with their uh, 10th anniversary show, Chapter 131. So I think their next show, now let's see if I can get this right. I think it's called uh, Dodge, Dip, Duck, Dive and Dodge. Obviously from, from one of our, all of our favourite films, uh, Dodgeball, of course. This is but it. a headline by Gresham um, versus Karen Wah. So ROH world champion against the Progress world champion there. That's going to be a hell of a show, isn't it? I, yeah, this is the thing. Like, I, I don't like saying, like, going into shows, like, this match is going to be amazing because if something happens and it isn't, you kind of make yourself look a bit silly by going, oh, this match is going to blow your mind. And if it doesn't, you kind of <laughs> sold everybody short. But I, I'm pretty confident that match is going to be insane. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, with 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 very little doubt in my mind, they are going to tear the roof off that place. Um, yeah, and this is the thing, essentially celebrating 10 years of progress. The fact that I get to be there for hopefully you know the, the majority of that week is 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 nuts again the fact that i've i've barely dipped my toe in the pond um and we're celebrating you know a decade of you know starting starting on you know the smallest venues and then going around the world and making it to wembley and and, and ali pally and all that it's to say that i'm kind of just getting started with them it's it's so exciting to then say you know hopefully maybe in, in another five ten years time i can look back and go oh here we're at the 20th anniversary let me tell you some stories about what it was like 10 years ago. And yeah, it's it's going to be absolutely awesome. I have So far, yeah, the, the two ballroom shows I've done and the one at the Ritz in Manchester, just the, the hottest crowds I think I've ever witnessed. It's absolutely nuts. Um, I'm pretty sure the 10th anniversary at the garage has sold out. So yep. I already, you already know that, you know, that's such an in-demand show that it's 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 going to be insane. And, you know, knowing knowing some of the matches that, that are announced or some of the people that are going to be there, it's um yeah i just i I've, I've got that whole week week booked off of work i'm plowing i'm, I'm just going to pull everything i've got into these shows uh, i'm going to go into work the week after with no voice left and i cannot wait ollie i can't wait to take a deep dive into your commentary career your wrestling fandom and everything else got to throw a quick uh, plug to our sponsors of course. Who, who are the wonderful 1310 apparel and if you head over to their WrestleMerch central store uh, you can see a whole range of exclusive products there from their hardcore range of t-shirts and hoodies through to their lucha range once again of apparel and of course their more traditional 1310 and four corners apparel there and uh, they do sponsor besides the wrestling image on this podcast uh some well-known uk talent including heidi katrina northwest strong's chris ridgeway and if you head over to 1310's big cartel store all their 1310.merch.global store their WrestleMerch central store of course you can see the exclusive Heidi Katrina t-shirt there out now and uh, as a listener or a viewer to Wrestling with Jonas you can take advantage of our offer with 1310 and uh, you can get 10% off discount 10% discount um, at checkout when you use the code 1310WMC 
at their Wrestle Merch Central store. So on any of the apparel, any of the goodies that we've just uh, spoke about at checkout, use the discount code 1310WMC at Wrestle Merch Central to get your discount now. So, uh, Ollie, back to us and uh, back to progress. I mean, we've spoken about the four big shows that are coming up, obviously, Chapter 130. Um, then you've got the, uh, the the Roy Johnson's uh, pattern show. Um, what's it called again? Every, uh, everything Patterned. Everything Patterned. And then you've got the... That's right. And then you've got the uh, the all women's show, uh, Who Run the World uh, from the Dome. Um, and then, of course, culminating that Friday with Chapter 131, the 10th anniversary show. And, and we've got to talk about the main events that's already been announced for that. And of course, um, it was kind of set up from the, the show in Manchester, wasn't it? When Ilya Dragunov, the current WWE NXT UK champion, came out and uh, confronted Karanoir after his uh, championship victory um, after that match. What a moment that must have been, but also was... kind of set, setting up a, tr a tremendous main event for the anniversary show. But tell us about that moment in Manchester. It, I, I, I literally, like, mentioning it, I've got goosebumps right now just remembering that pop, like, there's you always remember like the big moments in, in shows like this and to say that because essentially yeah everyone was talking about that uh, at the after the show like social media was blowing up over oh. that and I've, I've been quite lucky because i think so far on on most of the progress shows there's been some kind of big revelation thing to have happened like the, the first show we had of course anthony agogo came out and that pop was unreal the fact that i got to be there in essentially because you know, the headsets we wear are, are quite good at reducing the noise i just had to take mine off and soak it in it was oh yeah just the reaction of wrestling fans when stuff like that all the pieces fall into place and the right people can be there at the right time and everything comes together um it's magic it was it's yeah it's it's so it's so cool to to be able to build to those moments and i think you know the the work that both guys have put in building their series of matches and uh, and just the chemistry they have in the ring. Um, yeah, and the fact that people weren't expecting it as well. The, you know, the, so the lights went out and everyone's like, oh, what's happening? And they came on and just that scream was just, oh, it, was something, <laughs> it, was, it was something else. It was something else. Oh, absolutely. I mean, one one moment, I think it's from the same show that I want to kind of call back to, is that crazy dive from oh, Nick Riley over the that, balcony that, onto I mean, the, the poor people down below, the ring crew and the wrestlers. Uh, I certainly wouldn't have wanted to be kind of in that melee of wrestlers when he was tumbling it. over the top. But obviously you didn't know that was going to happen. But what, what was your reaction when that did happen? Well, we we were so that was the same balcony we were commentating. You was you was up there commentating. Yeah, as well, we were you? like maybe five ten meters away from it. Yeah. Um, and and obviously you know before the show you kind of you're looking around every time I see a balcony I always kind of drive oh, someone should jump <laughs> off that. Um, and when when because I think yeah earlier in the match I think Charlie and one of the one of the like I came up and they were kind of teasing it and then they went back down and we're like you're right no one's gonna die today this is good um yeah and then i think we were so busy focusing on the ring we didn't even hear nick come behind us and it was it was just when everyone started looking up and we we're like oh oh damn he's over the oh oh he's gonna do this and it wasn't like the typical like you know slowly walk up to the balcony slowly climb over hold yourself there and fall he took a running leap off the balcony it was absolutely insane um yeah, I, the, the smoking aces. One of the things I, I love so much about this, obviously, we got to see them on you know me and me and Huss and everybody in, in Theatre Peckham. We got to see them every single every single tapings. We really got to you know you know make friends with them. And um, one of my favourite matches with Charlie Sterling and Karen Noir because it was just yeah, 
it was essentially, and, and to be fair, when Nick Riley had his match with Cara as well, phenomenal. Yeah. Just having that kind of breakout match to say, yeah, we're a tag team, but this is what we can do as as individuals. Just it really cemented them. But I'm, I'm not sure that what we got to see in Theatre Peckham came really came through. I'm mean, obviously yeah, because we there, there wasn't a lot of. Um, we were, we were lucky. We got to actually interact with them after the after the tapings. Whereas um, a lot of the the fans obviously didn't get to experience the energy they bring. Um, and so far, I think both chapter shows they've they've come out. They came out at, at, at chapter one uh, one two seven. Um, they came out at one two eight and kind of mixed reactions. Kind of booze. The fans really weren't too sure what to make of them. Um, yet by the end of every match they've had, the the crowd were on their yeah. feet, giving them giving them the applause chanting their names because they're, they're, they're so good. I mean, I didn't really, I wasn't too, you know, too familiar with them going into the tapings or when they made their debuts. Um, but then coming out and they've, they have, they have taken the ball by the horns. They've you know, grabbed that golden ring and they have absolutely ran with it. Um, and seeing them kind of be able to turn the fans around to their side and be like, you might not heard from us, you know, be, be too, as familiar with us as you are with Lycos and all these people, but, they prove every show, every match that they absolutely deserve to be there. Um, and it's just really cool to see two guys that absolutely deserve it, get the reactions that they deserve. Yeah, absolutely. And, and some of the highlights for, for from my perspective, uh, since they came back in front of fans from uh, January 127 onwards, um, you've had uh, that fantastic main event at Chapter 127, uh, Cara Noir versus Chris Ridgeway for, for the championship. I made um, noises in that match. Unbelievable I didn't think match. I could make. <laughs> <laughs> that was so brutal. They it's, really, it was really... insane. I don't know uh, how they were how they were able to walk out of that building after that show. It was absolutely nuts. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like I say, the, the triumphant return of Kanji as well. Like I say, another highlight for me I had Kanji on the show uh, a couple of months back. Yeah, um, and, and such a great story there from what what she did, what the story she was able to tell with Giselle and uh, the other female talent in the Peckham Theatre. Obviously, getting injured now, coming back, winning the second Women's Thunder Bastard. A great story there. Absolutely, yeah. I've got so much love for for both Kanji and Giselle, although I probably don't tell Giselle that. Um, but again, the chemistry that those two have, it's it's on the same level as, as Kara and Ilya. Like, whenever they're in the ring together, they just bring out the absolute best in each other. Um, and yeah, and just kind of, again, getting to, getting to know both of them outside of, um, out, outside of the tapings, um, knowing you know, what they've been through and, and you know, the, the aspirations they've got and where they want to be. And then obviously seeing Giselle now on Impact, it's, it's absolutely yeah. crazy to think that, you know, maybe this time last year we were, we were chilling out uh, in a theatre and talking about, oh, would you go here? Would you go there? And now it's actually happening for Giselle and um, can Kanji as well. She is just, I think she feels the pressure. Um, you know, that, that she, 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 well, she's admitted it in, in, um, in promo. She's, you know, she's not the most confident person, but as soon as you put her in that ring or under that spotlight, she, something, something magic happens. And it just brings out the best in her. She rises to the occasion. Uh, and yeah, some of the absolute best women's matches I think I've ever seen. Um, yeah. And I'm, 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 hoping i'm hoping we get a, a, a return match i'm not sure what's been announced i'm not sure who will be the champ when kenji gets her shot but um secretly deep down i hope that giselle manages to hold on for it a little bit longer so that we can get some more some more kanji giselle matches out there's a really made story there isn't there but uh, is, i'm sure i'm sure we'll go back to progress throughout the uh, course of this conversation but uh, let, let, let's talk about yourself and your wrestling fandom then ollie so uh, can you remember how you were first introduced to pro wrestling i'm guessing from a youngish age uh, how did your wrestling journey as a fan start 
Yeah, so it was when I was back in kind of first school. Um, uh, I lived in a little village just outside Milton Keynes. And um, yeah, one of my friends that we were hanging out with, um, he, he was a massive wrestling fan. I think his parents were wrestling fans. I'd never heard of it. And I, we were just hanging out at his house one day and he put it on and I was just absolutely captivated. In fact, if I remember rightly, it was a VHS and it was Paul Bearer's Hits from the Crypt, if I remember rightly. I remember that. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it wasn't nothing, nothing like WrestleManias and Royal Rumbles and all this. Like it was if anything, just a random collection of matches off of maybe Raw or whatever B-show they had at the time. And yeah, I was just absolutely captivated by it. Um, uh, kind of dropped off the, the face of the planet with it when, um, I think I must have gone to uni or something like that, or, or um, the guy stopped going to the same school that I was at and we stopped hanging out as much. Um, so I kind of stopped watching. And then um, it was kind of always there in the background. I had the video games, of course, as most people did. Um, and then I was, I remember I was going through a breakup. Uh, this would have been flash forward to, Christ, what year would that have been? Um, kind of, I was mid twenties, mid twenties, been through uni, come back from uni, been traveling, come back from traveling. Um, and I was, I was sleeping on the sofa, uh, after a breakup and it was just on the telly. Um, I was flicking through sky and I saw TNA, um, and I just started watching it. Um, and again, it, I just, the bug got me. I just got bitten and I was straight back in, um, was I was a huge TNA fan for quite some time. Um, and then, yeah, I guess it just it, it just snowballed out of control. And uh, somehow I stumbled my way into commentary booth and then stumbled my way into progress, I guess. <laughs> so, so how, how did you, um, as a fan, uh, how were you first introduced to British indie wrestling or UK indie wrestling? So essentially through TNA, um, right. to be fair, um, I went to pretty much every London uh, show they did. Um, at least it was filmed. I think that my, my first TNA show was was my first ever pro wrestling show live that I ever went to. Really? Um, and wow. it was the it was the year just before they started filming the London shows for for Impact. Um, and I still remember to this day, and it's quite kind of apt. The first match was an X Division match with I want to say it was like a five or a six man. It was a bit. It was a bit just you know kind of a, a high energy opener. And the first thing I noticed was this is really weird without commentary. Um, you know, because usually by that yeah. point, you've got someone talking <laughs> over the action. And it was just kind of quiet, 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 big move, big slam, big pop from the mat. And then back to like quiet, quiet, quiet. And then all, all the only noise when the crowd weren't making any noise was, was you know, the bumps. Um, and it was just really bizarre not to have someone talking through the match. And um, I guess that was where the first seeds were sown of, huh, this is something I could, you know, I, I, at least something I noticed was important in wrestling. I thought it was just about, you know, big flamboyant entrances and, and cool spots. But um, yeah, seeing the impact that commentary kind of had when it was taken away, at least. Um, yeah, I, I'll never forget how, how, it was, how it felt kind of sitting there watching and not having, you know, someone's voice in my ear to kind of explain what was going on. Um, and on that show, I want to say it was Doug Williams and Ric Flair. Wow! And at this, at this point, I would love to have seen that. <laughs> it was honestly the pop that. So I, I guess I was expecting a pop for Doug, uh, for 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 Rick. But I, 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 this at this moment in time, I didn't really know anything yeah. about Brit Rest. I knew about the British guys that had made it onto TNA. Um, so essentially, Nick Aldis and it was Big Rob Terry, if I if I remember rightly. Um, and 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 um, I'm not sure if Doug is, was in at that point, but either way, I knew there was like a, a, a sprinkling of British talent here and there. I knew about the British Bulldog, and that was kind of it, as for, for my knowledge. And then to see this guy come out that I'd never heard of before, 
and get this absolute, like the pop was insane for him. And I'm like, I have no idea who this guy is, but he's clearly popular. I need to find out who this guy is. So essentially my first Doug Williams match was him and um, him and Ric Flair at Wembley Arena. Um, and then there was also Mark Haskins in a match. Um, and again, he got a really big pop, didn't know who he was, but I was like, I need to find out where these guys are coming from. Uh, then they did British Boot Camp. Um, yeah. And essentially from British Boot Camp 1, I was a huge fan of watching that. Um, Rockstar Spud, a guy that I, I, I'm itching to call a match for. I've never had the opportunity to call a Spud match. And every time I hear that he's been released, I'm like, oh, does that mean he's coming back over here and I can get a match? Obviously, it's, I never want anyone to lose a job. I don't want it to come across like that. But for me, the silver lining was, oh, shit, I might actually get a chance to meet this guy, shake his hand and, and call one of his matches because he's so underrated as a performer. Um, I'll never forget, like, the, he had a hair versus hair match with EC3. Um, and that it was just it was it was unbelievable to see that in in person, um, and then to see and then go to go to go to WWE and not really be used as as well as. But then I suppose you know apart from you know, the the a select few, uh, most people could argue that they're not being used to the best of their ability because essentially there's only a few top spots and everybody else. Yeah, you know, it's it's easy to get lost in the shuffle. Um, but yeah, he he he's one guy that I've I from straight away from that first series of British boot camp. I was like, this this guy is this guy is something special. Oh, absolutely. Just sticking with you, with your fandom, uh, and this was only a, a few years ago, but I think your your first taste of progress in the flesh was at Wembley, wasn't it? You mentioned about TNA yes. um, on a UK tour, at Wembley Arena, and Hello Wembley. I uh, can't remember what chapter it was. It was uh, September twenty eighteen, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but you were there, and that was your first taste of progress, and kind of mind blowing that less than three years later you'd be working for the company but right tell, yeah. tell us tell us a bit about hello wembley because i wasn't there i've seen it um probably a couple of times back uh through uh, on demand but um hell of a show again it, it really was and to and be to there be the fact, atmosphere must have been amazing it, it, it was it just it was it felt special obviously it was you know it's the first time that you know an independent promotion had run wembley since some like the 80s um, which is absolutely nuts. Yeah. Um, and essentially, I think it was, it, I tried to get to other progress shows, but it was that was back in the day when it was set out in 14 minutes. And um, I was lucky enough at that point to, you know, my, 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 my wheels were rolling enough that I was quite busy most weekends. So most progress weekends, I was already working elsewhere. But yeah, that, that kind of felt like the show that I had to be at. I was like, I need, I need to experience this. And the, 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 the card was absolutely insane. I think the, the 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 most nuts thing was that there was people on that show that I've met and I've called. I, I, at that point, I'd met and I called matches for. I was able to message them afterwards and be like, "Dude, that match was crazy. Well done. Like, I hope you're happy with it." Um, so yeah, it's just mind blowing to think I'm sat here in Wembley Arena seeing some of my friends perform in you know in front of probably one of the biggest crowds, if not the biggest, they're ever going to have. It was yeah, absolutely crazy. Um, and again, just really cool to see. A lot of people on that card that I that I knew and I was friends with have an opportunity to shine was was just really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, and how did you first take your first steps into being a commentator? How did the opportunity first come to you? How did you show an interest in commentating? Tell us about them very very early days. Right. So I'll take you back to two thousand and fourteen. Wow. Um, that was that was the the very first show I I, I called. Um, so I, I used to do radio. I used to do, um, I, I was quite involved in the local music scene here in Milton Keynes, did local radio station, um, did quite a few actually. I think, yeah, mo most of that, the, the major online like radio stations around Milton Keynes, I've had a chance to be on in, in some shape or form. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was the, it was, it was called Basement Music was the, was the show. 
and it was me and a guy called now it would have been me and scott at the time um and the show before him there was always a bit of an overlap where the previous show would be finishing and then you know we'd come in get ready for our show um, and then we kind of get to know the guy that would always run the show before us and the guy before us happened to be a wrestling fan um and me and the so I, I don't think I was a regular host on that at that time. I, I kind of just popped in as a, a reoccurring guest quite a lot. I was like the annoying itch they couldn't get rid of. Every weekend I'd, I'd just you know pop my head in the door and be like, oh, I'm, I'm back again. I'm, I, bought, I bought takeaway this time. Um, and uh, yeah, we just chatted more and more about um, uh, about wrestling. And it kind of turned out that the two hosts, the, the, the show before and the and basement music host, uh, and me, we all kind of had wrestling in common as well. Um, and we kind of just started chatting more and more. And then... It was, uh, yeah, Kai Brand, uh, the killer, Kai Brand, um, kind of pitched me an idea and said, oh, I, might, I might try commentating at the local promotion. And they said, you know, they wouldn't mind us trying it. It was initially going to be like a radio show. Um, and then I think it kind of trans. I think he was having people on to promote the shows. And then it transitioned into, should we try commentary? And he asked me because he knows that I'm a good, you know, I, I like talking. Um, and I, I've always been the type of person that if somebody like, pitched me a cool idea that was a bit different. I've always said, I got into radio by, by a, a guy who used to work with in a call center going, do you want to try a radio show? And I was like, sure, yeah. Um, most, I, I'm, I try and be a bit of a yes guy because you know, you, otherwise you miss out on stuff. Um, and essentially, yeah, he pitched it. He said, should we try commentary? I said, sure, never done it before. I'll give it a go. Um, and yeah, it turned out I was all right at it. Um, so yeah, I gave the, gave the first show a go. Um, looking back now, there's, there's even some people on, well, maybe two, yeah, two people on that card that are still going now. Uh, I think my first ever women's match was Nadia Sapphire and Nightshade. Um, and they're, they're both tearing it up still. Um, and, uh, and then I think my second, the, the show after that, it was Tony Storm and uh, Mia Cortez. Or it's, it's, it's uh, those four were my first, my first two women's matches. And that all four of them are still going now and absolutely killing it. Um, I think that might be the only people that's still going. But essentially, yeah, um, I, I just said, yeah, I'll give it a go. And then just kept going back month after month. And um, yeah, it just kind of got a little bit out of hand, I think. And so you've been doing this about eight years now. Eight years, yeah, I'm coming out for my eight year anniversary, yeah. That, that, that's absolutely tremendous. But obviously, you know, they say practice makes perfect. How, how have you noticed your, your commentary style change over the years obviously you know you've obviously got better to the point where you are now um but uh, have, you, have you noticed a, a a shift every so often to the point where you can sure, feel yeah. yourself getting better yeah it's, it's really hard because i mean for for most wrestlers it's you know, getting feedback that's like a key thing um and there's there's there's, there's always an abundance of feedback for matches but it's, it's kind of hard to get feedback as a commentator because not a lot of people do it as as full you know like as, as their main kind of thing so a lot of the time it's just like, yeah, I liked it. That was cool. Thank you very much. See you later. Um, so getting feedback is, is really, is really kind of a, a far and few between thing. Um, so yeah, essentially, yeah, it, it was just, you know, practice makes perfect. And yeah, listening back to myself, seeing what I liked, seeing what I didn't like, trying to like fit in some resemblance of a character as well. So I had something to kind of pull off of. Um, but yeah, it's, essentially it was just, just a long grind, just, just slowly getting better and better. Looking back, um, in a way, I wouldn't say my style has changed that much. I, I, I'm just essentially an overexcited fan that's just got far too close to it and is now in too deep, so I have to keep going. Um, so style-wise, it's very much been the same that I was just, you know, popping for my friends doing cool stuff. 
Um, and yeah, it's just now my friends are doing it on bigger stages and, and I've got a bigger platform and a nicer microphone. <laughs> We've got a few people that have got in touch uh, over the course of this broadcast. So I'm, I'm hoping they're still listening, but uh, uh, it's going to come up Facebook user. But uh, I know for a fact this is Brett Meadows. Um, did Ollie have hair before he got into commentating? Uh, <laughs> I want to say, yeah, and I, I, I cut Thanks, it Brett. off and I gave it to Brett as a gift. Uh, <laughs> no, I've, I've never had hair. I was, I was, yeah, this has been it, this has been it from, from birth. <laughs> yeah, same here, same here. Um, and uh, I think this is Brett again. Um, at World War Wrestling, Ollie had entrance video and entrance video. Um, has he ever had it played uh, anywhere else? No, I have not. No one, uh, to be fair, I it's haven't really pushed for World it, War Wrestling video. It's, uh, yeah, I, 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 I was trying to, I got to a point where I was trying to like find something to make myself different. So I recorded my own entrance music and I got Tim Lee to make me an entrance video. Um, and yeah, so far it's only been played maybe twice. But no, I had the music played at one sacrifice show in Bedford. Um, but yeah, to be fair, I, I haven't really pushed it as much as I maybe should have done. I'm really crap at self-promotion and, and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm just happy to turn up and be there. So uh, yeah, but yeah, Brett, Brett gave me my first ever proper entrance. Um, I was probably awkward as hell coming out of the curtain because that's not something I ever do. Uh, but that was, yeah, it was really cool for, to be given that opportunity. And And... Back to kind of me, you know, Brett, I'm sure you're going to be sending more questions and I'll try and ping them up on screen if I can. Um, but uh, like I say, eight years of commentary, that, that that's a, a fantastic achievement. But there must have been some some gaffes along the way, some, some oh, hiccups yeah. <laughs> or, or some some screw ups. Um, any memorable screw ups that, that you can kind of tell us live on air? Um, nothing too big, thankfully. Nothing that's kind of got me fired from anywhere or, uh, or not welcome back. There was definitely one show, um, it was at oh, a nightclub in Milton Keynes, it doesn't exist anymore. This was like really early on. Um, and I, I tend to bring, I, I've got like a whole uh, kind of suitcase full of equipment. Um, and I was setting up my hard cam uh, for this show. I mean, it, it never went out and it wasn't like, a, it was, I was still very much amateur at this point. And I thought I'd press record on the camera and went through the entire first half, recorded the commentary, no hard cam, and it was the only camera for the show. So kind of ruined the entire show for them. And the, the entire first half had, uh, it had commentary, but not a lot else. It's not the sort of thing you can redo, is it? <laughs> this is it, this is it. So yeah, luckily there hasn't been too many, uh, too many uh, screw ups. Um, nothing comes to mind, which I guess is a good thing. I mean, obviously I, I, I miss call moves every now and again. And, maybe say the wrong name here and there but i think yeah luckily i'm uh, I've, I've been lucky to avoid any major major like mess ups unless someone wants to message in and remind me of something i forgot about <laughs> another question for me then i mean you're obviously very much in demand i mean i think when i was going through my research you you probably commentate for over a dozen companies around the uk on yeah, a regular I, basis would that be about right um, um probably yeah if i were to list them all out um yeah, some, something about that. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm very lucky to have the opportunities I've, I've, I've got for sure. But your schedule must be super crazy. Do you, do you ever look at your diary and think, man, you know, how am I going to fit all this in? Absolutely. Like, I think already this this calendar year, I'm on like 13 or 14 shows already. Wow. Um, which kind of, it, it, to be fair, pre pre lockdown and all that nonsense. Um, I, I really want it was yeah, it was crazy. I was doing you know two or three shows almost every weekend um i was i think there was even one one kind of friday to monday stint where i had four shows and i did i want to say there was uh, mansfield great yarmouth possibly essex or london and then newport south wales i think i did about a thousand miles in a four day in a four day stint 
didn't sleep anywhere near enough as I should have done. But yeah, um, I've been I've been very lucky to kind of have the opportunities to go the places I have. Um, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> as I said, I was I was doing um, I did uh, a show in um, in Newport, South Wales last night uh, for Exposure. Uh, the very first people to give me my very first paid gig. So, but I mean, being able to get back out there to see them yesterday was was really special. Um, it was probably the biggest show that I've ever seen them do. Uh, we had Scotty Too Hotty on the show. I, I got to commentate for, oh, for Scotty brilliant. Too Hotty hitting a worm, which <laughs> going back to when I was playing video games when I was in first <laughs> school and, and you know hitting that on on the, on the PlayStation to say again, flash forward, you know, how many years it's been to say that I'm now calling that myself is is just bizarre. Um, but yeah, as I say, it's, it's it's really nice. I think it took a while for me to kind of get the get the dates in the diary again. I think commentary is. I'm, I'm very open and honest in, in admitting that what I do is kind of like the cherry on top. You know, you don't need commentary to put on a show, essentially. You, know, you need the ring, you need the wrestlers and the crowds. Um, I, I'm, I am a luxury thing to, for, for most shows. You know, it's not something that, that everyone either needs or wants or, or can, can, can you know, fit on their show. So, yeah, the fact that I am as busy as I am is just, I think it's a testament to, to how strong uh, BritRest is and the fact that you know there is there is platforms for people to put out whether it's on Facebook or YouTube or things like Powered 4 TV um, there's there's so many platforms now and the fact that it's going out and I can add to the products it's just yeah it's an honor to be able to, to help elevate things. Now Emily Bailey's been in touch via YouTube and she sent a couple of questions in the first one that I'm gonna ask you is that what's your favorite wrestling move you, you mentioned the worm uh, that's Ooh. probably up there in your top five uh, but uh, what would you say is your number one wrestling move I've always said if I was ever to do ever to get kind of ideas above my station and climb into a ring and do anything even just for one spot I'd, it's the figure four um, that that was my old podcast and it kind yeah. of to, to be able to, to lock in a figure four on someone even just to pop myself, that would be pretty cool. Um, oh, have I got any other favourites? I mean, there's lots of cool stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'll go with. I, I kind of, I'm a big fan of the submissions. So yeah, I'll, 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 probably, I'll probably say figure four, figure four leg lock. Uh, and uh, let's see, um, Facebook user. I don't know if this is Brett, possibly, <laughs> um, but it reminds us of when. Um... <laughs> I always want to say which time um... <laughs> when Pew fell out of the ring. <laughs> which show that would have been a sacrifice show i think or was that well again there was um oh i think i know what he's talking about the the, the hard cam show that where i missed the entire first half i want to say yeah chris Pugh fell out the ring we slipped on some water at ringside and went ass over tit and uh <laughs> it wasn't caught on camera maybe i knew maybe i knew it was going to happen and i saved him the embarrassment but uh, thank you uh, for, for all your questions. We'll be coming back to your questions very, very soon. Um, but um, tell us about, you mentioned about doing multiple shows per week, back-to-back -back shows. How do you prepare for one single show, let alone when you've got a run of shows lots, in the same week? Lots of it, drinks. <laughs> it, it, it must be a, a lot of, I don't know, do you have to kind of check a lot of YouTube footage, a lot of stuff on Powered 4 TV. But what's your process for preparing for a show? And especially when you've got to cram a lot of work in, uh, in a short period of time, you've got multiple shows, for example. Yeah. Tell, us, tell us how you do it. T to be fair, um, because I'm so busy, there's, yeah, essentially there's there's a lot of people I see week in and week out. Um, so, I mean, you know, back, you know, back obviously when I started doing progress, I'd make a, as many notes as I could fit time in for. Um, and if there's if there's people I don't know on shows, I, I tend to save it till the day because you know, there, there's only so much research you can do. But if, if you know the top 10 moves of somebody and they're not actually going to hit any of them in a show, then it's kind of pointless knowing the names of all these moves if they're not even going to have the chance to hit them. Um, 
so yeah, I, I'll be honest, because of how busy I am, a lot of the time, a lot of the people I see, um, I, I just know everyone so well at this point that I've seen, I've seen everyone work so much that I pretty much know what to expect. Um, but saying that, it is really cool. And as I say, last night at Exposure in Wales, um, 90% of that card were, were brand new to me. It was people That's that cool. started training in lockdown and it was you know, early shows for them. So it is really cool to then go and, and meet new guys and you know kind of get get to kind of know who they are as, as both a person as and as a wrestler and um, get a feel for what they're like. Um, so I tend to do a lot of it on the day now because you know I like to get in there nice and early. Um, you know, kind of have that time outside of showtime to kind of hang out with everybody and chat and catch up. Yeah. Um, so to be fair, it just it's just been essentially eight years of getting to know the scene and getting to know everybody. Um, and, and yeah, um, it's, it's nuts now to think that, you know, most of these rosters, I'm, I, I consider them at least, you know, at least friends and, um, I know them well enough that even if I just rock up to a show and, you know, they haven't had a chance to come and catch up with me, I can hear the music, um, and know, you know, know what to expect, um, on a, on a surface level, at least as far as moves and, and, and character stuff. So, uh, yeah, eight years of hard work and, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of drinking. Great, great answer there. Um, let's talk about some of your your country partners because we we spoke about Hustle Malone earlier on. Uh, I'm sure he'll come up in in this part of the conversation as well. But it, it's important as a, as a commentator, especially when you're commentating with a, with a partner, to have that that chemistry, isn't it? To have that Absolutely. connection, to have that bond, and to know that person a little bit um, off camera, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. To, to, you know, to kind of let's have a peek behind the curtain with some of your commentary partners because um, uh, I'm guessing it is crucial to have that chemistry and to have that connection it definitely helps. from the office. It definitely maybe. helps. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I mean, for example, last night, the guy that I was doing commentary with, uh, I met it. It was his first time doing it last night. Never really met well. the kid before. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'm getting to this point now where I've, I've almost got that. I don't want to say veteran status, but I am kind of a guy that, you know, if someone if someone is new, they can just chuck them with me and I can kind of take them under my wing and uh, and kind of show them the ropes, as it were. Um, but, you yeah, know, that, that chemistry is absolutely, it's not vital, but, you know, you can, you can kind of straight away, you know, like you can see in the ring, um, like with, like, as I say, with Giselle and Kanji, they have that chemistry in the ring. So their work is, is already elevated to a higher level. Um, it's the same for commentary. Um, you know, if you, get, if you get on well with somebody, um, then it's, it's, you're going to have that natural rapport. And I think coming from that radio background, um, knowing what it's like to kind of have a microphone and, and have someone to bounce off of. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I definitely prefer it to doing solo commentary. Um, but yeah, so like the, the very first commentary partner, the killer Kai Brand. Um, he, me, again, me and him knew each other from, we, we went to shows, you know, as, as friends. And then essentially, yeah, he kind of dragged me into it and, uh, he's essentially responsible for all of this, really. <laughs> um, again, so yeah, me and him had great chemistry. We still do, still catch up with him when, whenever I can now. Um, TJ Lee, the guy that I, has been my commentary, my main commentary partner for the majority of my career now. Um, again, we've travelled, I'd hate, hate to think how many miles on the roads together to, to various shows, you know, here, there and everywhere. And again, we get on great. Um, we, we hang out outside of wrestling. Uh, we chat, you know, most weeks we, we're with, there's, there's not a few days that goes past where we're not chatting um they're kind of like the, the two go-to's i have and then obviously hustle as well um but then like mark andrews um magic magic mark no, no i can't say that anymore kind of doesn't like that um <laughs> but yeah me, me and mark again we we go back you know we, we we go back years as well with, with hope wrestling and um yeah i think i worked out that it was potentially around three years that since the last time i saw him the, to when i saw him at the last progress show 
Um, and again, me and him, we get on so well. So me and him recorded a podcast the Monday before we had the show in London uh, on the Sunday. Um, the podcast went for about an hour, an hour and a half. The entire like window of us talking was about four hours, just catching wow. up, talking about <laughs> wrestling, talking about the, the Marvel stuff that we were recording a podcast for. Uh, yeah, the podcast was like this much and the rest of the conversation was, was, was the rest of the pie. Um, so yeah, getting you know, having that chemistry with your commentary partner, it, it helps so much. A couple more questions. Uh, Emily Bailey's been in touch again. Um, she's obsessed. How did Oh My Goodness start? So <laughs> is, is that is that like uh, your, your version of uh, Joey Styles's uh, Oh My God? Uh, yours is Oh My Goodness. So, so tell yeah. us, um, is there is there any connection with uh, Joey? What Joey Styles said? But, not, but tell not us about really. that saying. So it just turns out it's and it, to be fair, listening back to like some of my my first ever stuff, it was something I said back then as well. I think because I, I I try and keep it PG. I, I'm not I'm not one for for colourful language on commentary because I don't want to isolate any fans if anyone is watching. Um, it, yeah, it's, it, I guess that's just my go to way of of expressing shock. Um, and essentially, actually, it was uh, I remember it was a company called Wrestling League. Um, they had a triple threat tag match for the CZW tag team belts. It was CCK versus, uh, oh, it was Rob, Lias, and Mike Check, and the team from White Wolf, so A-Kid and Adam Chase. And there was a balcony dive there. It was at Kingsway Hall in Harwich. And it was either A-Kid or Adam Chase dived off this balcony. And um, my scream was, oh my goodness! Because I couldn't say holy, holy stuff and all this sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, and it was, uh, it was Alec Burnett from, from DOA. He messaged me after seeing the clip and was like, you say, oh my goodness, quite a lot. Because they put the whole match out as well. And I said it quite a lot. Um, I turned up at the next DOA show and he got me a t-shirt, much like this one, just oh my goodness on it. Yeah. And it kind of just became my thing. Um, I, I kind of accepted it. And as I said, I've been saying it for years. It just took Alec to kind of point out, that's kind of your, that, like you say, it's your Joey Styles. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's just become my thing, I guess. So I kind of say that. I, I often say that wrestlers have their big spots and their big moves. And I think as a commentator that I definitely have my, kind of big spots and big moves in as far as phrases and things I tend to go to. So I guess, oh my goodness, that's that's my finishing move. Absolutely. And what, what about your nickname, The Mastermind? Where did that come from? How did that start? Who gave you that? So um, that that's that's all the way back to the figure four days um, when me and Kai were sitting down coming up with our, our kind of podcast idea. Because again, it started off as a radio show. Um, and he he kind of brought me in as as essentially a kind of a, a radio show host. We were doing podcasts and stuff, yeah, way way back in you know 2014. And I I, I guess I, I, it probably would have been me saying like, right, we need cool nicknames because we can't just be Ollie and Kai. We need to be like you know rah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I want to say my because because my my thing. I'm not a physical guy in any way, shape, or form. I, I've I've always been more of a, a smart ass than a than a than a tough guy. Um, and we used to do a lot of um, like wrestling quizzes and wrestling quizzes used to be my thing. Um, I used to have a call center job that was pretty, pretty boring, pretty mind numbing. So I used to spend a lot of time sitting on Wikipedia, just reading up about wrestling cards and um, looking back in the old kind of WWE going down all their, all their um, kind of pay-per-view lists and seeing what matches were when and things like that. 
memorizing the Undertaker's streak. And I did the same. I did. Yeah, this is it. Um, (laughs) So I I kind of wanted to be wanted to give myself a bit of a nickname that that kind of you know essentially expressed my my love of the 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 mental side of things rather than the physical side. Uh, Kai was he was the killer because in training he would be injuring people left, right, and center. Um, So I yeah I think I my very first one was the Guru Ollie Spring, and then I think. That lasted maybe a month or two, and there were, it just it was not sticking. And I was like, "How about Mastermind?" Because um, I want to say that the, the quiz show was on telly, and someone had picked something to do with wrestling or something that I was like, and I was like, like if I was on Mastermind, that would be my subject. There you go. And then I, yeah, and I, did, I just kind of ran with that. To be fair, and um, the my entrance music is essentially a ska punk version of the the Mastermind TV theme tune. So it kind of all just bundled together and. Um, the kind of I haven't had the time as much to kind of keep up with my wrestling trivia, so I'd probably be god awful at it now. But um, just as something that sticks and something to give people an idea that you know that it's, it's more about my mind than anything else is, yeah, I've run with it and you know, hey, gimmicks work. Absolutely, and I don't know if there's anything to this. I'm going to bring up a couple of pictures, um, mm-hmm. but what what is it with the pens, Ollie? Uh, what so, is it with with, with the pens in, yeah. in your in your jacket pocket? Uh, definitely prevalent if you check your Instagram. There's it, pens that, four that or five. T- tell us tell us about that because that that's so, become a thing for you as well now. Well, so that photo right there with five pens. Um, if you look, if you look at them chronologically speaking, it goes from five to four, to three to two to one, and it was meant to be a subliminal countdown to the first show back. Because I was, I think the plan might have been at the time was the the last set of tapings, the last show would be airing, and then there would have been a live show pretty soon afterwards. So I was trying to kind of give people a bit of a hint that okay, there's five pens, and then next week, oh, someone's nicked one. There's only four left. And then the very last show, um, there was, I'm not sure if I actually even posted the last one because the shows ended up being delayed for whatever reason. Uh, it was it was kind of like a subliminal like message to fans to say, there's only like two shows left and then we're going to be getting you guys back in. Um, but yeah, and it, luckily people did kind of notice like, that's a lot of pens. I'm like, yeah, because there's five <laughs> shows left. And then there's four shows left. And yeah, that, that, was, that was kind of what I tried to do is, I say, sprinkle something a little bit extra in and, um one thing i've always loved are things like like bray white having those like subliminal things in his promos where there's if you kind of piece things together from here and there and you kind of get this like secret message um that was kind of my attempt at that that's awesome we're going to go back to to emily emily bailey for uh, watching via youtube so thank you for watching emily much appreciated um love to know uh about uh, ollie's most memorable experience whilst commentating so far so Ooh. is there any 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 particular experience or maybe a couple that, that jump out at you as being yeah. particularly memorable um oh, i mean it's, it's all it's all been one hell of a ride obviously you know my first ballroom show for progress mm. was uh, was absolutely nuts, and you know, being being part of that show and hearing the reactions of the crowd, uh, that I don't think will ever be beaten. Um, to be fair, I think um, from that show, um, so Warren, Warren Banks, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna name drop now. Warren Banks is a guy that um, I have called more matches for than anybody else in British wrestling. I, I, I'm I'm big on my stats. Um, TJ Lee calls me the king of spreadsheet style. I've got quite a few wrestling spreadsheets. Uh, tracking everything I do. Um, and I think on my first 200 shows, I've called something like 70 or 80 Warren Banks matches. And the the, the, the number two guy below him, it's it's not even close. 
Um, Warren's in like the 70s, the next person's like 30 or 40. So seeing seeing Warren win that match, uh, at, uh, sorry, spoiler alert, um, seeing Warren win the six man at, at, that, at that first show back um, and being able to kind of say that, that's my friend right there. That's my friend killing it um, for progress in the ballroom, um, winning himself a number one contenders match um, for the progress title. Seeing yeah. seeing somebody that I've I've traveled to more shows with and called more matches for, um, yeah, that's special. But I think it's probably going to be topped when he gets his shot um, at the uh, at the tenth year anniversary show at the garage. That's that's probably going to be the the the, the main highlight uh, when it happens. But yeah, um, to be fair, just a- anything that involves seeing good things happen to good people, um, seeing my friends, you know, being able to go back to when they had their debut matches and then saying where they are now. Um, it, it, to me, it's 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 not one moment that kind of stands out. It's it's the whole the whole experience has just been absolutely mind blowing. Absolutely, and, and I hate to put you on the spot, but is there <laughs> what would you say has probably been the the biggest match you've had to call in your time in the last eight years? Has there been a really big standout match between two of the biggest names? You, you've mentioned a few classics already from from Progress, uh, but is there one big match you would consider to be probably the, the biggest match you've called so far? Um. I guess it's tricky to because because you know what what I could would maybe consider the biggest match other people wouldn't as as far as single matches I mean not necessarily the biggest names but there was there was one match that um, I look back on as being one of the most special at least for seeing my friends do really well and there was a match at Sacrifice um, between Kyle Kingsley and Cy Gregory um, and the story that these guys had told over essentially about a year a year and a half. Um, culminated in the best match that I've seen either of those guys have. And as far as like that one kind of, if I was to ever kind of give people one match to kind of show what I can do, um, that that would be it. Um, but then but then again, yeah, I've, I've got to call, you know, Chris Ridgway versus Jonathan Gresham um, in a Ring of Honor title match. That is absolutely nuts. Um, then, yeah, I, I, I could name drop uh, countless people, but I think I'll always, I'll always go back to that, that special match, I think, for for Cy and, uh, and for Kingsley. Um, it was, yeah, it was just a, a perfect storm of the storyline culminating. I want to say it was the last show of the year, the last show we had in our in our kind of spiritual home venue before we moved on to another one. Um, one of the best matches I've ever called and probably one of the best performances I've ever put in as a, as a commentator. Um, yeah, that's that's the kind of the one that I would stand out and say like this, this to me was like one of the biggest deals I think I've ever I've ever kind of had the the opportunity to call. Yeah, yeah. And, and as we've clearly established during the course of this conversation, you're you're very, very busy, whether it's with your, your shoot job or whether it's with your 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 commentary. Um but but one kind of pastime of yours is is kind of music, isn't it? And it has writing, been, yeah. producing, playing music, uh a lover of of, of kind of bands and music. Tell us about that because you, I don't know if this is correct. I mean, are you part of a band or you were part of a band, but tell us about your kind of your history in music and kind of what it means to you. Yeah. I mean, that's what kind of got me to, that's what kind of got me into wrestling in a way, in a kind of weird roundabout way of doing music and then doing the radio and then meeting people and then doing wrestling. Um, so yeah, that, that photo right there was a Christmas gig for a band called Final Clearance. Um, I'm not a permanent member of them. I'm, I'm more of the, um, I think the, the Tom, the front man, calls me the, um, the break glass in case of emergency kind of backup guy. So he broke his arm. Uh, he, work, he happens to work with me as well now. Um, he broke his arm cycling into work in the winter and they had this big Christmas gig coming up. Um, and I've helped them out a few times in the past. Um, 
I think I've 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 covered on bass, I've covered on lead guitar, and that one was rhythm guitar. Um, and yeah, so essentially he kind of got hurt and was like, we need we either cancel the gig or we find someone to play guitar. Um, and I've always been a big cheerleader for for local bands and local music. Um, I've known Tom for for years, you know, probably going on over a decade now. Um, and I know his entire back catalogue, so uh, so I know most of the songs anyway. So when he says, "Oh, could you help us out?" I turn up to practice, and I sometimes know the songs better than better than they do. Um, but yeah, it was it was something I started off in. I mean, I, I think I had my first guitar when I was fourteen, self-taught. Um, I lived in a little village really? as they growing up, so there wasn't an awful lot for, to to do in like the winters. So I would teach myself guitar, playing along to my favorite CDs. Um, and again, I, I just kind of got a bit carried away into it. And then, yeah, I wound up in a few bands, mainly mainly doing solo stuff though, to be honest. I've, I've got like a, a solo back catalog, but um, there was there was a moment in time where I was kind of doing a little bit of wrestling commentary, a little bit of music. I was doing my solo stuff. I was kind of helping out in a few bands. Um, and it was, it was my 30th birthday. I, I ticked over to 30. And I always say turning 30 was the best thing I ever did. I kind of had this kind of not quite a midlife crisis, but like a realization that I've kind of been asking around and ha like half asking everything. And I kind of asked myself the question, what would happen if I gave just one hobby everything I had? So I dropped out of all the bands I was playing. I stopped. There was a few sports that I was kind of playing as well. Um, again, kind of half asking it. Um, and I kind of said to myself, "What? Well, I'm going to pick one thing and I'm just going to run at it. I'm going to give it 100 percent instead of giving you know, commentary a little bit and music a little bit. Um, and essentially, I chose wrestling commentary. And um, yeah, in in the kind of five years since I made that decision, um, I've got further in wrestling than I did in a decade of doing music. But it'll always be something there. Yeah, it's always something I have a passion for. And um, yeah, if ever I can, I can help out a friend um, in need. In, in if, if I can ever play an instrument, then I will always. Again, I'll always say yes um, because you know the the things I could miss out on. There's there's been some really cool gigs I've been a part of. Um, that I wouldn't have had a, been a part of if I hadn't have said yes. So, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and as we start to wind down, I, I, I've got one more question from, uh, I think it's actually from Chris Pugh, um, who asks, uh, what's been your favourite trip for wrestling? <laughs> I don't know if there's a hidden story behind this, but uh, do you have a favourite trip for, for um, a wrestling show? <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest, it, it sounds really bad, but a lot of the time, some of my favourite parts of wrestling isn't actually the wrestling itself, it's what happens outside yeah. of the actual like the the bell to bell show um it is that chance to you know to be on the road with your friends for a couple of hours traveling here there and everywhere um yeah there's been i i, I know he's referencing so um i used to take a car full over to uh, to exposure in wales uh and yeah chris Pugh was 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 in there for, for some of those as well that was really fun one one thing i will say is with warren banks he might be one hell of a wrestler but that guy can sing Carpool wow. karaoke Warren Banks is something that not many people will ever see, but I have I have the privilege of, of hearing Warren Banks singing on a uh, on a sleepy trip back from Wales. Now there's um, a YouTube channel waiting to happen. Honestly, he <laughs> need, he needs to tap into it. Uh, if he ever if he ever gets injured, he just needs to start singing. Um, yeah, I say that the, the road trips are always the best. Um, there was one I'm trying to think which where it would be, where it would have been two. Um, it would have it was either up north or or out east because it was quite a trip. And uh, we, I actually recorded a podcast on this drive and it would have been um, me, Alexander Hyde, uh, TJ Lee, Ashley Dunn and Hustle Malone. And I recorded a, like a, a driving podcast um, that started off as like, you know, it was, it was a very uh, free flowing, not a lot of structure. It was just five dudes in a car, just shooting the breeze, talking shit. 
And uh, yeah, it just evolved into some of the funniest stuff I'd ever put out. There was there was an hour long podcast that I could release. And then there was like an hour to an hour and a half extra of stuff that would probably get us fired if it ever heard the uh, the light of day. Um, and yeah, that, that will always go down as a real as a real cool, uh, real cool trip. But yeah. Any time, any time I get a, a chance to travel for more than half an hour with anybody in the car to kind of get to know them um, is really good. In fact, I'll tell you what, here we go. Uh, one, one last, one last story for you. My very first paid booking was out in Exposure uh, in Wales, um, and I'm chatting to, to Nigel, the promoter. Um, and Nigel, I, I've known Nigel since um, since before I started commentary. There's a photo somewhere you probably haven't got time to dig through, but it's me and me and Killer Kai Brand in our Figure Four T-shirts. At Collector Mania, Milton Keynes, and we saw these two guys. One guy dressed up as Hulk Hogan, one guy dressed up as Goldust, and we were like, "Right, we need some photos of us in our cool new T-shirts." Those guys, you know, they're doing cosplay. Let's go get a photo. And we went up and chatted. And this would have been maybe even a year or two before we even started commentary. We we still just were doing the podcast. We were chatting to these guys. It turns out they're from Wales, and they were, you know, they were kind of wrestling fans. They were looking to kind of get into it. And um, I think essentially they started off bringing people in from America which is how come they have people like Scotty Too Hotty on their shows. Um, and yeah, so we didn't really, didn't really kind of think too much of it. Got to, you know, chatted to them for five or 10 minutes, got a photo with them. Um, and then they went their way, we went our way. Couple of years later, Robbie E was brought to a show in Milton Keynes and the guys that had brought him over were these two Welsh guys. And we were, and me and Kai were, you know, hanging out backstage. And we said, were you, were you guys at Collectomania a couple of years ago, dressed up as Hulk and Goldust? And they were like, yeah, that was us. And we were like, completely mind-blowing that they'd kind of gone full circle come back to mk and they were now doing like the wrestling travel side of things um and then to say flash forward you know a couple more years uh, and he's given me my first ever paid opportunity to you know to drive to wales to do the show um and i got uh, i think maybe a week before the show and uh, bear in mind at this point i'd only ever done the local stuff so anybody within a 10 mile radius of milton Keynes, that was my wrestling bubble right there everything outside was completely alien to me and he messaged me saying, would you mind picking up Bram and Bull James from, from Birmingham on your way? And I was, I'm sitting there thinking, like, I drive this tiny little uh, Renault, uh, Renault Twingo, I think it was. Um, Birmingham was so far out of my way. But I'm like, he's asking me to pick up this guy that I've watched on TNA and this guy that I've watched on NXT. I've got to say yes to this. So I drove, it was like a, maybe an hour and a half to get to Birmingham to pick up Bram and, and Bull James and then drive them to Wales, which was like a two and a half hour journey. And I did not stop picking their brains for the entire... They must have hated me by the end of this car journey because I was asking every question under the sun, trying <laughs> to understand the industry, understand their side of business. Because obviously they've been to the very top of the mountain. They've, they've worked for the biggest companies um, in, in, in the world. Um, so I'm just, I'm just driving and picking their brains and asking question after question after question. And I'll always, I'll always kind of look back on that first, that first kind of booking, that first trip um the the information and the, the the knowledge and wisdom i got from bram on that trip was absolutely priceless i learned more in six hours of driving than i had in six years of of just messing around and, and doing podcasts so that was that was uh without a doubt probably the most valuable six hours of my life in wrestling ever i think that would have made a good podcast episode for sure <laughs> it, it would have and I, i'll be honest there was a bit of a driving joke on the on the way there where i was saying oh do you reckon i have time for a podcast and i think contractually I don't think Bram was able to talk to anybody unless it was signed off by TNA. Uh, yeah. Bull Bull was was not in the right mindset to be podcasting. I think he'd just been released from NXT, and he he was he was maybe a bit salty about the experience. So, um, and I don't think he was in a chatty mood. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't get the podcast, but it did become a bit of a running joke um, for that for that kind of show. 
Um, and then I think I bumped into Bram the following weekend at a Hope show. And he was like, oh, maybe we'll get time for that podcast. Oh, sorry, I've got to go, brother. See you later. And like, we're having a bit of a joke about it. So, yeah. Um, but I think by that point, I think I was winding down my podcast a bit. But, yeah, again, again, the, 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 the wisdom that was imparted on that trip, um, that set me up and probably got me to where I am now. Absolutely. Final question for me then. Uh, so if we've got any, any, any budding commentators, any budding announcers watching or listening to this, we've, you know, the mastermind Ollie Spring on the Wrestling Majolis podcast. Is, is there any kind of like key tips, bits of advice Absolutely. that you impart on them if they were looking to get into the business as a commentator? Yeah. So, um, I mean, this is something I'm doing quite a lot these days um, is, um, is kind of helping out people and um and kind of is they being the guy to take them under I mean, like, like last night this guy jack had never commentated before and i got to kind of showing the ropes um i think my, my kind of main bit of, of uh, apart from the technicalities of when to talk and when not to talk and things like that um just don't be afraid to be yourself turn the volume up to 11 don't be afraid to get carried away and excited um i've definitely worked with people who you could tell were very in their shell and didn't really want to let it out and um essentially the reason i think one of the reasons why I'm at, I'm at the point i am now is because from day one i never cared about if i sounded stupid or, or or letting myself go or getting carried away just yeah just try and try and be yourself and try and yeah not not to i guess yeah not to worry about what other people are thinking if if people are turning around and looking at you not to get too, too self-conscious um because essentially you're reacting you you know you you want you want to be that kind of yeah. that that the, the 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 channel of excitement for people to feed on um i was watching uh, some simon miller youtube uh, videos earlier on today and i've got a lot of love for that guy again because he just he he's a big goof and if he says stupid stuff he's not going to he's not going to go back and edit it out he he owns it and he's he's a silly goofy guy um but he's not ashamed of that he is who he is um and that's that's you know that's so key, I think, in what we do is just to, to really, you know, not be afraid to be yourself and, um, yeah, allow yourself to get carried away. Because essentially, I think at the heart of it, we're all just wrestling fans. Some of us are sitting in the audience. Some of us are in a ring. Some of us are behind a desk. We're all just fans of this. Um, and I think to, to, to make sure you never lose sight of that um, and don't be ashamed to let people know that, that you love what you do. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for that advice, and for myself as well. I was looking to get into comments. I, I, I take all that on board. Have you, have you started doing your your CPW stuff yet? Uh, no, not yet. No, no. Uh, but uh, I think their their first show back, uh, Copenhagen Championship Wrestling, is in May, so just around the corner. So uh, not too long to wait. Um, but uh, before we ask you for your socials, Ollie, I'm just going to announce who my next guest is on the Ooh. Wrestling with Jonas podcast this Friday, Friday the 11th, 8 p.m. sharp UK time. It's um, Harley Hudson. Um, and uh, you may well have commentated uh, on have. Harley Hudson's matches once or twice, uh, but she'll be on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast Friday the 11th of March, uh, so just uh, four days time, 8pm sharp UK time on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. You do not want to miss that one. Uh, but a uh, young lady with a very bright future. Absolutely. She's just coming back off of a, a horrible injury, looking to hit the ring very, very soon. So it's going to be uh, a great time to catch her and a great time to uh, listen to that interview um, and see how she's doing on the road to recovery and uh, kind of um, her journey in the wrestling business. But Ollie, I'm going to throw it over to you. Uh, if any of my listeners, any of my viewers want to get in touch, say hi ask for some advice on uh, how to be a commentator and all that good stuff uh, where can they find you on uh, social media my friend yeah so i i, I kind of suck at social media um so i'm not i'm not overly active but yeah um f4r underscore mastermind is the instagram and the twitter just scrolling the bottom i like it it's yeah, a good right? touch um <laughs> uh, the mastermind ollie spring wrestling commentator on facebook 
Um, yeah, that's kind of it. I mean, if, if you're curious about the music stuff, that's out there as well. That's uh, YC Ollie, the letter Y, the letter C, uh, Ollie, um, O-L-I-E. If you're curious, um, you don't have to. As I said, I don't really push that stuff. Um, I, get, I gave it a bit of a go for a while, but yeah, um, I think I'm, I'm better at wrestling commentary than I am at music. So that's that's why I've stuck with that. But uh, Ollie, it's been uh, a blast speaking to you for the last hour and 15 minutes. And it was me saying it only go 45. Yeah, uh, but it's all good conversation. All I, could, good conversation. I, could talk, I could talk about wrestling for hours, my friend. Like, we, we, could, we can come back in a few weeks and carry oh, on. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's a, a, a part two waiting to happen down the line for sure. Uh, but to Ollie it. Spring, it's been amazing speaking to you. Uh, thank you so much for being an excellent guest. And best of luck with, with Progress and all the other promotions that you that you do excellent commentary for. And, of course, we've got the, the 10th anniversary of Progress around the corner to look forward to. So uh, thank you very much for being a great, uh, great guest. And I uh, hope you've enjoyed your time on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. No, you're very welcome. Catch up with you soon.